Welcome back to the program. The unemployment rate still sits at around 7%. Millions of Americans, blue and white-collar workers, have experienced long-term unemployment. But the 2008-2009 recession didn't just impact the U.S. Unemployment in many other Western nations is even higher. What's different is how unemployment and job-seeking varies from country to country. Who the unemployed blame for their problems? The self-help industry that continues to grow and different approaches of employers are all areas of extreme differences around the world. MIT sociologist Offer Sharon, in his new book, Flawed System, Flawed Self, looks at the impact of these different approaches to unemployment and job hunting. Offer Sharon teaches at MIT's Sloan School of Management, where he is also Assistant Professor of Work and Employment Relations. It is my pleasure to welcome Ofer Sharon here to talk about Flawed System, Flawed Self, Job Searching and Unemployment Experience. Ofer Sharon, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Jeff, for having me on. Delight to have you here. One of the key areas that you talk about is who employees blame for their problem when they have failure to secure a job, or particularly in long-term situations, where the blame falls. Talk first about that. This was one of the most striking differences when I studied cross-nationally the experience of unemployment in the U.S. and Israel, and particularly for white-collar workers. Um, so here are very similar types of workers in, in the kinds of jobs they were looking for, often um, high-tech workers or managers, uh, typically understood why they lost their job in terms of the economy or outsourcing or some kind of uh, external forces. But then when understanding difficulties finding a new job, it was very striking that the American white-collar job seekers tended to feel like perhaps something is wrong with them. Over time, they increasingly had this growing fear that so, um, maybe there is some internal flaw that, that is coming across, something uh, about me that is not allowing me to get the job, whereas Israeli job seekers facing similar uh, links of unemployment uh, increasingly saw the hiring system uh, as flawed and felt that they were being excluded by arbitrary uh, hiring processes. So very different experiences of unemployment, which uh, in my book, the, the core argument is that these can be understood as very tightly linked to the way hiring works and the way job searching uh, happens in these two different countries. And what do you see at the core of those differences when you look at it from a, in a broader cultural and geopolitical framework? Yeah, so the way we look for work in white-collar America is um, it was kind of invisible to me when I started this research. I think more, many of us take it for granted as just uh, the way it is. Of course, it's all about networking. Um, and And that is actually the core of uh, what I call the job search chemistry game for white-collar job seekers, which is starts out as about networking, building rapport, building relationships, getting people uh, to connect with you so that they will make referrals to hiring managers. Uh, and then at interviews with hiring managers, uh, it's very important to convey how you are a good fit, and not just in terms of the skills you bring, but even more importantly, perhaps, the fact that you will be a good interpersonal fit, that you're someone that um, that will fit the culture and that 
colleagues will like and, and that the hiring manager likes and uh, is someone that they want to be with. This creates a job search process which uh, really personalizes how one goes about looking for work. One really needs to put themselves out there, not just their skills, but themselves. Uh, and when they are having difficulties finding work, which is increasingly the case in recent years, uh, it takes months, if not years, uh, to find a new job. When hiring is so personalized, the rejections are personalized as well. People begin to feel, as I talked, like something is wrong with them, like they're being personally rejected. Um, and this is where I think there's a big role for the support system to step in and to help people navigate this period um, in, in, in of unemployment. Um, and I find real issues with, with the kind of support that, that is being offered today uh, on this very issue. In many ways, the support just kind of perpetuates the problem. It makes it personal. It's allowed this whole self-help industry to grow up around it, and it does nothing to begin to mitigate what the underlying issues are. It simply perpetuates this feeling of personalness that you were talking about. So first, the support... Uh, does serve a very important and useful purpose in giving job seekers good strategic advice on how they need to go about job searching. So you do need to play this chemistry game uh, to have a good chance of getting a job. And I think the support system and coaches and books and workshops do a pretty good job uh, of, of explaining that. But the shortcoming is that there's also a kind of inspirational side to the support advice, which is very common in telling job seekers that you are in control of your job search. You need to take ownership of it, that it's up to you, and it depends on how well you're able to present yourself um, and create this connection and rapport. That advice may be useful for people who've just lost their job and are feeling uh, discouraged at the start and they need to be boosted. But it really backfires for people who have been out of work for uh, six months or longer who have been repeatedly facing the kind of labor market obstacles that we know exist that have nothing to do with them, um, such as discrimination against people based on their uh, unemployment, the duration of unemployment. Um, there, the advice really needs to be one that doesn't tell people you're fully in control, but that um, is more nuanced and says you, there are some things that are very important that are in your control, but there are also important aspects of this that are not in your control, and it's very important to understand them so that the outcomes are not simply seen as a reflection of one's uh, self and one's ability. There are many, many barriers that have nothing to do with how good the worker is, um, and Looking at Israel and the experience of job seekers there um, really shows me that having that larger, more sociological understanding of the labor market helps build resilience. It helps people to persevere and continue job searching as intensely as they need to be uh, because it's not personalized. And the advice and the structure of 
uh, of firing helps people not take it personally and therefore be able to continue. What, if any, impact does it have on outcomes in terms of, of the ability of people to find jobs? So the, the, the number one effect is, is how much do you keep job searching. The only way you're going to get a job uh, is to continue job searching and to do so with intensity and with um, uh, energy and to be able to project uh, all the things that are needed in order for employers to see your qualifications. If you begin to blame yourself and to think something's wrong with you, it becomes extremely hard to search in the way that you need to search. It, um, it becomes a situation where job searching, uh, when it's so personalized and internalized, um, becomes like each application and each rejection is like putting salt on an open wound. It becomes very painful to continue searching once you have this mind frame that it's it's all about you. Uh, so the outcomes of discouragement, people dropping out of the labor force, I believe is strongly linked to this dynamic of how people interpret uh, continued unemployment and the lack of, of effective support um, to see that it's not just all about them. And, yeah. and you know, I think this is a Central issue here, and it's it's the subject of my next research project um, to figure out how to best support people who are in this position. It really is a fundamental difference in approach that you talk about: that resume-based job employment versus networking and chemistry-based job employment, and that really is, seems to be the core here. So there are very different uh, approaches to hiring uh, in the same field across uh, Israel and the U.S. Um, as you said, in Israel, the kind of front lines of hiring is done by staffing agencies uh, who don't just do temp jobs but play a very big role in all jobs and a very careful, close scrutiny of resumes um, that is perceived by job seekers as very rigid uh, and doesn't allow them often to why their skills from one uh, set of tasks really can transfer over and be applicable to another one. Uh, and then there's also testing in Israel. So job seekers are subjected to day-long tests of hard skills and also personality testing, uh, which at the end of, of the day, uh, they are scored and ranked and compared um, and, and let me tell you, Israeli job seekers are not happy about their hiring system there either. Uh, each system has its own problems and own arbitrary uh, and unfair ways of excluding job seekers. But what is interesting is that these different ways of hiring do create very different understandings of why one remains unemployed. Uh, in the Israeli case, with the staffing agency screenings and the testing, the obstacles are very clearly external. Job seekers see what they're up against. They're very frustrated by it, uh, but they see the, the hiring system uh, as, as rigid, rigidly excluding them. And this leads to a particular understanding of unemployment as, as reflecting a flawed system, unlike uh, the flawed self. This is where the title of my book comes, comes from, is, is the Israeli perception of flawed systems.
system, the American perception of a flawed self. And this, in turn, then has very important consequences for uh, continuation of the job search. I'm not suggesting that the United States adopt wholesale the Israeli way of hiring. I think that uh, some things can be learned from a more skills-based hiring system, uh, I, but I do see sh a lot of shortcomings as well. I, I think uh, if we're talking about hiring systems, some kind of hybrid uh, would be ideal, but what, um, what I'm more optimistic that we can actually affect in the short run, I don't see hiring systems changing anytime soon here, but, but I do think the support offered can be changed, that it could be more uh, tailored and specifically offered to long-term unemployed job seekers to, to deal with a unique set of challenges that they face. And instead of just telling people that it's in your control and you can do it if you take the right steps, to help people have a more a broader, deeper, more sociological understanding of, of, of the structure they're up against, as well as also recognize the strategies that are most effective in dealing with, with those structures. Uh, I think that can not only help people be more effective in their search, but also more effective in helping people maintain their well-being while unemployed, which is ultimately also critical to the effectiveness of their search. And, we're, you know, when you're talking about 4 million people, it's uh, actually more than that, who have um, been out of work more than six months, we're, we're at record levels uh, going back to 1948 when the Bureau of Labor Statistics started keeping track of long-term unemployment. So we have a huge crisis of long-term unemployment, uh, and we need to figure out better ways to support people who are in the midst of this crisis um, reduce some of the personalized anguish that's, in, that, that's now very much inextricably related to that experience so that they can maintain their well-being but also be more effective in their job search. What impact does the broader framework of the unemployment rate have on all this? In other words, in situations and periods of high unemployment, is there a different paradigm than when unemployment is low, for example? It's, it's, that's a great question because my my research started in 2004, 2005, when overall unemployment in the United States was, was much lower and, and long-term unemployment was significantly lower than it was today. Um, and then I continued it through the Great Recession when these rates uh, doubled and in some cases even more than doubled. I expected that the self-blame I talk about people feeling like it's somehow their fault would be reduced during the Great Recession because now unemployment is all over the news and everyone understands that we have a crisis. Um, and to my surprise, I found that when I talk to people about not their job loss but their finding of a new job, there still persisted this sense of, it's something about me. And then this is borne out by larger surveys that um, are, are uh, random samples across the United States. For example, a, a, a study by, from Rutgers showed three-fourths of long-term unemployed reporting that they feel embarrassment or shame about their unemployment at the height of the Great Recession. Um, so it's, it's interesting that the, the self-blame phenomena is, 
seems impervious to mm. these labor market fluctuations. And I think that supports my finding uh, in the book that it's really an outcome of the process of job searching, the very personalized nature of job searching, which also has characteristic that what ultimately uh, determines the outcome is happens behind the scenes. It's very, uh, it's invisible to the job seeker, unlike in Israel where it's very um, transparent. In, in the United States, why the networking doesn't lead to a referral or why an interview doesn't pan out um, is, is never clearly, uh, is not transparent and then interpreted to, to be the result of these very personal factors that the job seekers uh, need to focus on. Like, did I, was I able to build rapport? Was I able to come across in a likable way? Uh, and they often conclude that, that not, and then leads, that leads to the question of, so what, what's wrong with me? I mean, that's a very dangerous uh, kind of chain of thought that um, I don't think accurately depicts what's mm-hmm. uh, typically happening in the job search. Uh, but which too many job seekers fall into the trap of, of starting to think this way. And the advice discourse, uh, if anything, only exacerbates that particular issue. When you talk to employers in America versus employers in places like Israel and places that have this different approach, did they see it as impacting in some way the quality of people that they hire, this personal approach versus the more resume-oriented approach? Hiring managers uh, in both places tend to think that the way they do it is the right way to do it. Uh, you know, regardless of, of what academic research shows, uh, you know, American hiring managers, and this is not my research directly, but other research, uh, have very strong confidence in their own ability to make uh, decisions based on gut reactions to job seekers, which they think are pretty accurate in judging whether or not uh, the job seeker is going to be a good fit and work out well. And, and you know, lots of studies throw much doubt on, on the ability of hiring managers to make those kind of gut decisions. Uh, it's probably not the most effective way to do hiring, but it does give managers a lot of discretion, which, which of course, they like. Um, I, you know, in Israel, managers are... Uh, feel that this is a, uh, a more meritocratic, modern, and efficient way of, of selecting employees using this testing and, and rigid screening. And um, there's less concern there about fit. That's, that's not something that people talk about in as nearly as much as they do here. Does it vary at all in terms of job sectors? Is it different for sales jobs as opposed to technical jobs, let's say? Yes, yes, of course. So these chemistry and, and sex are used in both countries as part of the hiring process, but to different degrees, and, 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 and it does vary by sector. So, for example, in, in the tech sector, um, there is more of an emphasis on people's um, very specific experiences and skills uh, than, say, in management, where the personality and the interpersonal chemistry plays a larger role. That's true in both countries. Uh, but it's still true that when you control for that, when you look, say, 
hiring within the tech sector in both places. Uh, that in the American case, it's much more focused on likability and chemistry than it is in the tech sector in Israel. Um, and, and same for, for management and the other white-collar positions that I looked at. So there's variations across sectors, but there's an overall difference um, that cuts across these cross-nationally. And finally, to the extent that this is deeply ingrained in both systems, do you see any movement either way in terms of changes taking place? I see in, in the American case uh, some movement towards um, an Israeli-like system with the use of applicant tracking systems. So companies are increasingly using computer programs to do the initial filtering of of resumes, uh, which uh, becomes a very rigid first screen and and becomes not unlike the the way uh, staffing agencies Green in Israel based on long checklists. Um, I think this is a response to current labor market conditions where companies advertising a position may get three, four hundred uh, applications and as a way of dealing with those applications um, in, in what they think is a cheap and efficient way. I, I don't know as labor market conditions change whether or not this pattern of using the computerized filtering will continue, I suspect it does. And, and one of the great problems with it is that companies using computerized filtering in the United States seem to be systematically excluding uh, people who have been long-term unemployed. So we see that regardless of how well your skills match what they look for, this is a uh, great study by a colleague at Northeastern, Rand Gayat. Uh, regardless of the match of the job seekers to the position, if they're unemployed more than six months, they are rarely invited for an interview. And if you're not long-term unemployed, even if you don't have the relevant uh, experience, you're much more likely to be invited for an interview. So it appears that this, there's a um, rigid greening out, perhaps, through these computerized applicant tracking systems. Uh, it's hard to get good data on this, but this is what, what the data suggests, uh, is excluding long-term unemployed and, and exacerbating this problem of the crisis of 4 million people and more who are not able to get back into the labor force. Offer Sharon, the book is Flawed System, Flawed Self, Job Searching and Unemployment Experiences. Ofer, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.